Father in heaven, thank you so much for this new Sabbath. Thank you for this blessed time that we can have together. And especially as we open the book of Daniel and we study this most important chapter in chapter 12, the finality of this book, I pray that you'd help us to see the message that you have wrapped up here for us, that you would guide us with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we're praying for a double portion of your Holy Spirit. We're praying for the latter rain. Lord, not just to enlighten us, but to work upon our hearts and our lives and help us to see the urgency of the time that we're living in. So Lord, please be with us now. Guide us through this time, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So happy Sabbath once again for everyone that's joining. We are going to be studying Daniel chapter 12. So let's turn our Bibles there to Daniel chapter 12. Please follow along. Make sure you read along. Make sure you see the words for yourselves. The more places that we can allow the word to enter in, not just through hearing, but also seeing and reading for ourselves, the faster and the more that we can remember as well. And the faster God can write His law in our hearts and in our minds. So let's turn to Daniel chapter 12. We're starting there in verse 1. The Bible says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was, since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Now, the Bible says, at that time, Michael will stand up. Well, in order to understand when Michael will stand up, we got to go back to the previous chapter. Remember, Daniel chapter 10, 11, and 12 are all connected. They're all connected. They're one vision. It really, the vision itself begins in Daniel 11. And the introduction is Daniel 10, where Gabriel um, is there with, <clears throat> with Daniel. And then chapter 12 it's, is the conclusion, really, of that vision, but even of the whole book. So what is that time when Michael shall stand up? Let's go back to Daniel chapter 11 and verse 45. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end and none shall help him. The papacy, the Antichrist, would plant his banner in God's, amongst God's people at the end of time and there would be a sort of persecution that would take place. So we're talking about when the mark of the beast would come in and when there are the troubles that are rising on every side and people are running to the hills for safety. And so it is there in Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. Whilst the, the mark of the beast is taking place, it is then that the Bible says Michael would stand up and there would be a time of trouble such as never was. So friends, that time is still in the future. The mark of the beast is still in the future. But I want you to notice this. Who is Michael? Who is Michael? Who is this being that would stand up at the very end? And now we have some clues here. First, it says it is that great prince. And when you go to Daniel chapter 9, we study about how the Messiah is called the Prince, Messiah the Prince. So we already have a clue that this great Prince is none other than Jesus Christ, our Messiah. But then 
Many people think that Michael is just the angel that replaced Lucifer when he was kicked out of heaven. How can this be Jesus Christ? Do we have any other evidence apart from Michael being called the great prince, which we see also in Daniel chapter 9? Well, let's turn our Bibles to Jude chapter 1 and verse 9. Jude chapter 1 and verse 9. How do we know that Michael is Jesus? The Bible says here in Jude 1 verse 9. Let's turn our Bibles there. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. Durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. Notice in Jude chapter 1 verse 9, Michael is called the archangel. The archangel. So what does that word archangel mean? It means chief angel, the leader of the angels. You don't have to be an angel to be a leader of the angels, the chief of them all, you see. But now, let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16. When it talks about Michael the archangel, when it says here in in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, when Jesus is coming in the clouds of glory, it's talking about the second coming. It says here, for the Lord himself shall descend. Who is it? The Lord. He himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So we see Jesus coming in the clouds, and when he comes down, he's going to come with a shout, with the voice of the what? the archangel, and that voice when uttered in the heavens is going to resurrect the dead in Christ. Now, let's connect that with John chapter 5 and verse 25. John 5, 25. In Jude 1 verse 9, Michael is the archangel. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16, it is the voice of the archangel that resurrects the dead. And then in John chapter 5 verse 25, the Bible says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. It is the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, that will come, and when he shouts, his voice is the one that is going to resurrect the dead. It is the voice of the archangel. It is Michael. So we also see in other places, Genesis 48, verse 16. Genesis 48, verse 16. And Jacob here is speaking. And notice how he refers to Jesus the angel, and that word angel is a capital, is not a lowercase a. Even Jesus in the Old Testament is referred to as an angel. The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So even Jesus in the Old Testament, the great I am, is referred to as an angel. And we know that this is different just from the way that it is spelt with a capital A. Let me just give you three other references that you can write down. We're not going to read them, but it is Exodus 23, 20. Exodus 23, 23, and then also Exodus 32, 34. These are the three other verses that you can find where Jesus Christ is referred to as an angel. So as an archangel, it is not too far-fetched that this is referring to Jesus Christ. This is 
Michael. Now, why do some other Christians and some other churches, they make a big deal about us referring to Michael as the archangel? Because, um, well, not Michael the archangel, but Jesus as Michael, who is the archangel. It's because we th they think that we're bringing Jesus down to the level of an angel. Oh, no, friends. Jesus was not created. He was from the beginning with the Father, with the Holy Spirit. If Jesus was created, He is not God. He's not God. So it cannot be. But Jesus is our Savior. He it was required of someone higher than an angel because the law that was broken was given by God. It required someone higher than an angel to be on equal level with the law. It was God Himself that had to come and die for us. So is Jesus God? Absolutely. Is He the archangel, the leader, and the chief of the angels? Absolutely as well. So it harmonizes. So the Bible says that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, that one day Michael, Jesus Christ, would stand up, the great prince which standeth for thy people. And it says that, And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was. At that time thy people shall be delivered. Who is delivered? At the very end of that verse, it says, everyone that is found written in the book. Written in the book. And the only other place in Daniel we find a book mentioned is in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 10. Daniel 7 verse 10. It says, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books, plural, were opened. So we would have studied about the books of judgment back in Daniel chapter 7. And for those that don't know, there are three books. I'm just going to mention them. I'm not going to give them Bible texts because we don't have time. It's the book of life, the book of remembrance of good deeds, and the book of sin. So if... In Daniel 12 verse 1, when Michael stands up and the people of God would be delivered, only those whose names are found written in the book, that book is the book of life. Well, God must have already decided before he stood up who would be delivered and who would not. That means the investigative judgment, the judgment process determining eternal life or eternal damnation must take place before Michael stands up. If that's clear, please type amen. Please let there be some sort of response as you're listening this morning. So in order for Jesus to stand up and before he stands up, he must have already decided whose names are in the book of life and whose names are not, whose names are in the book of sin. So there must have been a separating process a judgment process before Jesus or Michael can stand up. But now, what does it mean when Michael stands up? Well, what did Jesus do when he went up to heaven? Let's go over to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, the Bible says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When Jesus went up, he sat down. He sat down as a high priest. 
That's what it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Sorry, he, he didn't sit down as a high priest. That's our next text. He just sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But now, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens. So we have an high priest who is set down or sit, sitting down on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. So when Jesus, after he ascended up to heaven, after his um, crucifixion and resurrection, he went up, he sat down as high priest in heaven. But here in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, we see Jesus standing. What does that mean? Well, what is the work of a high priest? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews 7, 25 and 26. Hebrews 7, 25 and 26. I apologize if I'm going too fast. Sometimes I just get excited and I forget the speed at which I'm going. I hope you're able to follow along. Hebrews 7, 25, 26. What is the role of a priest? Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeth that he ever liveth to make what? Intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So the role of the high priest here, at least in relation to Jesus, is one that makes intercession for us. He intercedes for us. When we sin, he intercedes. And when we ask for forgiveness, he goes to the Father on our behalf as the high priest. He presents his own blood and he says, this blood was shed for my son and for my daughter who is asking for forgiveness. And may you please forgive them. And God, the Father, because he honors his son, because he honors the blood of Jesus Christ, he forgives us. Jesus, as a high priest, is making intercession for us even today. And so, Jesus sat down up in heaven at the right hand as a high priest interceding for us because that's the only way that we can be forgiven today. And praise the Lord for that forgiveness because it means that Michael, the archangel, Jesus Christ is still sitting down. He's not stood up yet. Because when he stands up, he's already done with his high priestly role. He's already done with his intercession that when people now then try to pray for forgiveness, there's none given. No more intercession. There's coming a day when Jesus, he lays off his high priestly robes and the Bible says he will put on garments of vengeance and he will do a strange work a very strange work. So, Daniel 12 verse 1, at that time, Michael the prince, he will stand up. And what happens when Jesus stands up? First, no more intercession. He's done with his high priestly role. But in verse 1, it says, there will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Friends, that is not, listen carefully, that is not referring to the mark of the beast. The time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation is not referring to the mark of the beast. 
that is also called a time of trouble. And in the writings of Ellen White, she does talk about these two. And I have to clarify very clearly, you have to be careful when you read her writings because the time of trouble mentioned can be two. It can be Jacob's time of trouble, which is what is talking about here in Daniel 12 verse 1, when Michael shall stand up, there shall be a time of trouble. This Jacob's time of trouble, probation has closed. Jesus has stood up. No more intercession for the saints anymore. But what is it? It's the seven last plagues spoken about in Revelation chapter 16, 15 and 16, the seven last plagues. But there is a time of trouble that some of us as Adventists refer to as the little time of trouble because it's not as big as Jacob's time of trouble. Ellen White never calls it a little time of trouble, but she just calls it a time of trouble. And that time of trouble is the time of the mark of the beast. Okay, so we've got to be careful when you study what is it referring to when it's talking about this time of trouble. Well, we already have the clue from Daniel 12 verse 1. This time of trouble has to be Jacob's time of trouble, the seven last plagues, because Michael has stood up, no more intercession, probation has closed. Now, let's continue. I want to read to you from the Great Controversy 622, paragraph 4, and 623, paragraph 1. Two paragraphs back to back. GC 622, paragraph 4. The time of trouble such as never was, here she is quoting from Daniel chapter 12, is soon to open upon us, and we shall need an experience which we do not now possess, and which many of us are too indolent and lazy to obtain. It is often the case that trouble is greater in anticipation than in reality. But this is not true of the crisis before us. The most vivid presentation cannot reach the magnitude of the ordeal. In that time of trial, every soul must stand for himself before God. Jesus, he would have closed up intercession. We are on our own. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in the land, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Now, today, while the great high priest is making the atonement for us, we should seek to become perfect in Christ. Friends, if you are thinking about whether we should be perfect or not, I am not saying it. Ellen White is saying it. Not even by a thought could our Savior be brought to yield to the power of temptation. Satan finds in human hearts some point where he can gain a foothold. Some sinful desire is cherished by means of which his temptations assert their power. Friends, what does it mean to be perfect? That even by a thought, we would not offend. That we have to, like Paul says, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That is what we have to do today. Today, we have to be watchful and on our guard so that we can be ready for the time of trouble in the future when every person will stand by themselves. But Christ declared of himself, the prince of the world cometh and hath nothing in me. Satan could find nothing in the Son of God that would enable him to gain the victory. He kept his father's commandments and there was no sin in him, in him that Satan could use to his advantage. This is the condition 
in which those must be found who shall stand in the time of trouble. Can you see that? This is the condition. We have to have exactly the faith of Jesus. This is the condition that we must be in if we are to stand when the time of trouble is poured upon us. And friends, if you're wondering, my, this is an impossibility to be like Jesus, impossible. Absolutely, you got great thoughts. It's exactly what it is because we cannot do on our own. We cannot be like Jesus by our own works. The only way that we can be like Christ is we must have his faith. We must have his righteousness. We must have his obedience. We must have his thoughts. Is there a part for us to play? Absolutely. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So friends, is there a part for us to play? Yes. We need an experience today which we now do not currently possess, but that we can have by the grace of God during this lockdown. You know, I shared with my churches last night a quote from a friend that he had sent to me just as we were chatting, and he's like, you know, Ben, this time that of slowing down, it's either going to make us more wicked or more holy. It's either going <clears> to <throat> make us focus more on the things of the world the things that we never had time to do when we were all busy, or is going to make us focus more on Christ. Also, things that we didn't have time to do when we were so busy. But friends, I pray that you're using this time of lockdown wisely. I pray that you're using this Sabbath hours wisely, that you're not wasting it away, that you can't wait to jump on your phone when the sun sets, that we're not breaking the Sabbath and we're just wishing the Sabbath would pass away, but that we can't wait to just go back to our worldly things. Friends, I pray that this time of lockdown is making us draw closer to Christ, that it is giving us an experience that we need to possess before the time of trouble comes. Verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. You know, friends, this is just before the second coming. There is what we call a special resurrection. How do we know? Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. There is a special resurrection just before Jesus comes during the time of trouble that comes upon us when Michael stands up. Special resurrection. Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. There will be a group of people that will see Jesus come in the clouds. Those that pierced him. Yes, Caiaphas, Pilate, the Roman soldiers. There will be a small group of people that will be resurrected to see Jesus come in the clouds of glory during that time that they were living when they crucified Jesus. Special resurrection. Luke twenty-two sixty-nine. Luke twenty-two sixty-nine. Look at what Jesus says. Hereafter the, shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. And that is exactly what they will see when they see Jesus come in the clouds of glory. And then lastly, Revelation 14 and verse 13. There is a special resurrection, a special group of people that is resurrected just before the second coming of Jesus, to see Jesus come with their own eyes. Revelation 14, 13. 
And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead, which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. So this is referring to the people that would die under the banner of the third angel's message, including William Miller, including Uriah Smith, including the great pioneers of all that gave us the truth that we have today, including Ellen White and James White, including me, many men that have passed away even in recent memory, people that I adored, such as C.D. Brooks, who was one of the greatest evangelists of our time. And look, there is a special resurrection that is talked about here in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. But let's continue. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. When you look up that word wise, do you know it means teacher? It means instructor. Those that are wise are those that teach. Teach what? Teach the Bible, obviously. So if you want to be part of the wise people at the end of time, you've got to be an instructor of the Word of God, not just a reader of the Word of God, not just a follower of Jesus. Here, Daniel says, you've got to be a teacher, a teacher of the Word of God. You don't know who to teach? Pray. God, give me someone to teach. And if you dare to pray that prayer, God will dare to answer it. Verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Friends, not the whole book of Daniel was sealed up. Did you know that? Not the whole book of Daniel was sealed up. How do we know? Look, even Martin Luther understood the book of Daniel before 1798. And here it says the words will be sealed to the time of the end. For those that were following last week, I proved to you what the time of the end was. It was found in Daniel chapter 11. So the words of this book of this prophecy would be sealed up until 1798. But there were people that understood this book, at least parts of it, before 1798. And I said, Martin Luther was one of them. He was the one that studied Daniel 7, and he was able to pinpoint who the Antichrist was, that little horn power, the papacy. So he was able to understand parts of the book of Daniel. But what was sealed up? It was the portions relating to Daniel 11 at the end of time, verses 40 to 45, and also Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9, the 2,300-day prophecy that was relating to judgment and specifically investigative judgment as to when the sanctuary would be cleansed and Jesus would begin that time of judgment. And so for those that are studying together with me this morning, there are many concepts that if you've not studied the first 10 chapters of Daniel, it would probably be a bit difficult for you to understand. But friends, Jesus began the work of investigative judgment back in October 22, 1844. That is biblical. It is not SDA theology. It is Bible theology. You can find it there in Daniel 8:14, and the explanation of it in Daniel chapter 9. So these were the portions that would be sealed up. But then it says what? Even to the time of the end, 
And then it says, many would run to and fro. Knowledge should be increased. What is this knowledge? It is the knowledge of Daniel. It is that understanding of that portion of that book that would be sealed up. Daniel 11, the last verses, and Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9. It was after 1798. It was by this man named William Miller and many other that began to study the book of Daniel. And they began to give what we call the judgment hour cry, the cleansing of the sanctuary. And that the light of this 1844 message would come to view in that time. It was around 1830 that William Miller began to preach. And boy, did he stir up revivals all throughout the U.S. And when you study into the history, even throughout the world, there was a great movement of people that were getting ready for the second coming of Jesus. Of course, they got the events wrong, but the date was correct. Jesus would not come to the earth and cleanse the world by fire. He would come to the Father, the Ancient of Days, and to begin to receive a kingdom. It was in 1844 that the books of record would be opened and Jesus would begin to investigate the life record of every person, starting with Adam, and then Eve, and then Cain, and then Abel, and so on and so forth. The judgment books were opened and the investigation began to take place. So many would increase in knowledge and we'll be running to and fro. And you know, I heard this illustration from a great preacher once. He said, you know what the running to and fro represents? You see, back in the old times, they used to study the Bible out of scrolls, out of scrolls. So they didn't have a Bible book for to turn to like this. So they wanted to study the book of Daniel. In, in order to get there, they'd have to roll, 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 roll. Okay, chapter 12, we're almost there. But instead of doing that, what would they do? They would get a long table and they'll just spread the book open and then they would run back and forth to and fro studying of the word of God. So this knowledge increasing. Yes, there are things that came to light in the world, electricity, automotive, airplanes, all these things. I mean, running water, everything. All these inventions, the great printing press, many invention, inventions came up after 1798, and many people don't realize that when you hide the Word of God during the Dark Ages, there was no light from the Word of God. For 1,260 years, human life stood still. Human life stood still. They were lighting candles for 1,260 years. Why? Because the light of the Word of God was also hidden. Friends, when you study the Bible, not only does it make you wise unto salvation, it makes you wise in the worldly sense as well. So yes, knowledge would be increased in every which way, from the world, but especially in the light of studying the book of Daniel. Let's continue. Verse 5. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? So uh, Daniel, he sees in vision now, and there's these two beings, and they're talking to each other. And one says to the other, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Well, where did we see these two beings at the very beginning? Let's go back to Daniel chapter 10, the beginning of the vision. Verse 5, 
Daniel 10 verse 5. Who is this? Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Well, we see how this being is dressed. He's not just in white linen, but he also, his appearance is like lightning, his eyes as lamps of fire, and friends, if you go to Revelation chapter 1, you see a very similar description. There's only 20 verses throughout this afternoon. Go back and read Revelation 1. You will find that this same description in, in Revelation 1 is describing Jesus Christ. So there is this conversation that this other being that has with Jesus Christ, and he asks him, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Well, what wonders is this referring to? Let's continue in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 7. You see, friends, if you don't understand it, don't go do a word search on the, book, on the word wonders. You will find many things that relate to it. But what are these wonders referring to? Context, verse 7. And I heard the man clothed in linen, that's Jesus Christ, which is upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. What is the end of these wonders? Well, at the end of it, it's the time, times, and half a time. We've seen that in Daniel 7.25. We already know this time period. It is 538 to 1798. And so what is this being referring to? When will it be to the end of these wonders? And the answer is, well, the wonders will end in 1798. What are these wonders? It is the time of persecution. It is a time of the dark ages when the papacy would reign. That is what the time of these wonders is referring to the papal persecution of the Dark Ages from 538 to 1798. So that's all he's saying. And it says what? That he, when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. That's referring to the time of the Dark Ages. Let's continue. Verse 8. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Daniel still did not understand the persecution of God's people through the Dark Ages. To him, it was still future. To us, it's easy to understand today because it's history. All the history sources refer to it and talk about it, the papal persecution. You don't have to wonder whether it will happen. It's already happened. But Daniel, he's still wondering. There's great distress upon his mind. God, what shall be the end of all these things? And so God in his patience, he replies, Daniel, verse 9. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. There it is, repeated again. The time of the end, 1798. Daniel, it is sealed up till then. Don't you worry about it. And it's almost, God is trying to comfort him. He's not, he's not trying to not answer his question, but he's saying, Daniel, don't worry. It won't happen in your lifetime. You just seal that book, go your way. Verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried, 
but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Who would be purified, made white, and tried? That's the time of the Dark Ages. That's the time of the papal persecution. Many people will be purified, made white, tried, but what happens? The wicked will do wickedly, but the wicked, they won't understand. They won't even realize that they're fulfilling prophecy. Friends, it says the wise would understand. Who are the wise? Well, we saw in Daniel 1 who are the wise. They were 10 times wiser than anybody else. It was Daniel and his three friends. Well, how can we be the wise man in Daniel? Well, we, Daniel 1, it says what? Be faithful in the little things. Be faithful in your diet. Yes, friends, it matters what we eat and what we drink. Ellen White says, the transgression of the health law is the same as transgressing the moral law. Is it of great importance? Absolutely. I'm not quoting myself. I'm not quoting my own belief. I'm quoting the pen of inspiration by Ellen G. White. But let's continue. Verse 11. Jesus is still answering Daniel. When will these things be? And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Wait a minute. We have heard one thousand two hundred and sixty days. Where is this new time period coming in now? One thousand two hundred and ninety days. Well, obviously, God is trying to teach Daniel about this date. One thousand two hundred and 60-day ending is in uh, 1798. If we get that same end date and we bring it back earlier, we get the date 508 instead of 538. Let me repeat that again. You see, the time times and half a time is from 538 to 1798. And that is the 1,260 days. But here is 1,290 days it goes from 508 to 1798. Because remember, God is answering Daniel's question, when shall be the end of all these things? And God says, go your way, but it'll, it'll be this time, 1798. So if we are trying to get that date, we have to go 1,290 years earlier. It's not 538, it's 508. 508 AD. What happened in 508 AD? That was a time that the daily was taken away and the abomination that, be, that maketh desolate began to be set up. King Clovis became the first king that would be sole ruler in the West and he became the first Catholic king, okay? And that was a time when paganism, pagan worship, because you see, you got a dilemma on your hand here. Our king just became uh, Christian, so to speak, but we've been persecuting Christians. So what do we do? Well, let's take down the pagan altars, let's bring it into our church, and the abomination that maketh desolate is set up. That began in 508 AD. In 538 is when arms would stand on the part of the Catholic Church, and that would begin the time of papal supremacy, the time when the Dark Ages would begin and God's people would be persecuted. It's the same time period, but it's just different numbers. But now, verse 12, Blessed is he that waiteth, and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. King James is a bit confusing. It is one thousand three hundred and thirty-five. 
So we have 1,290. That is from 1508 to 1798. The 1,260 time, times, and half a time is from 538 to 1798. The 1335 begins the same time as the 1290. So when you add 1335 to 508, you get 1843. Wait a minute. 1844 is when the sanctuary should be begin to be cleansed. What is it referring to when it talks about 1843? Well, in Daniel 12, verse 12, the Bible says, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335 days. What is this referring to? You see, in 1843 was the first time that William Miller and his little group called the Millerites were waiting for the second coming of Jesus. There would be a blessing in the waiting. There would be a blessing in those that would arrive at that point because they've gone through a lot of revival. They have seen the signs in the heavens. Even in 1840, there was another sign, the trumpet was fulfilled. And so all of these things gave swell to what we call the Advent movement. And there was a blessing for those that would go through this time. Now, verse 13. But go thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. God tells Daniel, Daniel, go your way. Don't worry about it. You will stand in your lot at the end of the days. And you know, friends, the fact that we can understand the whole book of Daniel today, there are still a little few verses yet to be fulfilled in Daniel 11, but we know what it's referring to. The fact that we can understand the book of Daniel today shows us and tells us that we are at the end of the days. We are at the end of time. We are standing in that place where Daniel is speaking about where Jesus would soon to be coming, to come. We are standing in that point in earth's history where Michael is soon to stand up. We are standing at the end of days, dear friends, and we need now an experience which many of us do not possess and many more are too indolent to obtain. Friends, I pray that we would shake off the dust of laziness from our hearts and our lives. I pray that we would put forth earnest efforts to come back to the Word of God. I pray that we would no longer be indolent to obtain that salvation which was freely given to us 2,000 years ago. So friends, Daniel is standing in his lot today. He is shining the light of his prophecies down into our time and he's telling us, we are about to close up earth's history. Let me read to you from Testimonies to Ministers, TM 115, paragraph 2 and paragraph 3. TM 115, paragraph 2 and paragraph 3. It was the lion of the tribe of Judah who unsealed the book and gave to John the revelation of what should be in these last days. Daniel stood in his lot to bear his testimony, which was sealed until the time of the end, when the first angel's message should be proclaimed to the world. 
friends, that has already taken place. The first angel's message has already been proclaimed and Daniel is standing in his lot today. Selected Messages, Volume 2, 2 SM 109, Paragraph 1. All that God has in prophetic history specified to be fulfilled in the past has been and all that is yet to come in its order will be. Daniel, God's prophet, stands in his place. John stands in his place. In the Revelation, the Lion of the tribe of Judah has opened to the students of prophecy the book of Daniel, and thus is Daniel standing in his place. He bears his testimony, that which the Lord revealed to him in vision of the great and solemn events which we must know as we stand on the very threshold of their fulfillment. Friends, we are on the very borders of eternity. We are about to step over from this earth into the heavenly Canaan. Jesus Christ is to come. How are you in these last days? How have you spent your time in this past week? Have you been able to have a closer walk with Christ? And friends, I'm sorry, I do apologize. Getting through Daniel 12 in one hour is very difficult, especially with no feedback, especially with no other people conversing back with me. I'm just plowing through my content. But I've recorded Daniel classes. Hopefully we'll make them available soon. We are still in the midst of our SALT class here in Malaysia. And although it's hard to meet in person, we're doing it all online. For those that don't know yet, we are making our classes available to those that want to join live. And so if you want to join us in our SALT class, we're going to be opening up not next week. Next week we're ending Daniel. I'm sorry that is still closed. But the following week, we are going to be studying the studies on sanctuary together. We're going to study about the sanctuary in the Old Testament and how it relates to us today and even in the New Testament times as well. And so friends, if you want to join us, I'm sorry the, the class is not just public like that. There's a little fee and I don't want to talk about it today because it's a Sabbath, but I want you to email our SALT administrator. And so just go to our website and you can find our SALT administrator's email there. Go to www.aoyweb.org. Go there, look up on the top right the menu for SALT and contact our SALT administrator for details if you want to join us in the study of the sanctuary. We're going to be opening that for two weeks, Monday to Thursday, 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And we haven't decided yet what we're going to do in Revelation. Revelation is right after that for one whole month. But we'll let you know the information and details. If you are not part of our mailing list there as well for the SALT and AOI mailing list, you just sign up on our website there and you'll get all the details as to whether we open the classes or not and whether um, we, we will make it available for people to join with us. But friends, it is definitely more difficult um, to go through the book of Daniel, especially this past two weeks, chapter 11 and chapter 12 in two hours. That is difficult. So, so please, join us more for these studies and if you're able to, join us in half an hour, 11.30, to, to worship together during our divine service. We've got a special message prepared for all of you. 11.30, please be on time. When it comes to online, 
I just start when 11.30 hits. So I pray that you join us. We're going to have a break now. Take some time to refresh yourself. But I want to ask one thing. If you're going to join us at 11.30, I want you to prepare your heart and your mind. You know, when we worship online, it's quite different. We're able to walk around the house. We're able to go to the toilet whenever we feel like it. And we can do that in church as well. But, you know, I want you to prepare your heart and your mind and your body and your home to receive the blessing that God has prepared for us on this Sabbath morning. Treat it like it's a special time in church. That we're going to church, we're going to listen to a message, we're going to worship together. If you have to dress up for church, I have, and it's because I'm recording, but you know, let's dress up. Let's treat it like a special Sabbath and let's give God our full attention for that next hour. So friends, please join us at 11.30. I hope to see you there. Let's end with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I want to thank you for this time that we've had to study your word. And Lord, you've opened our eyes. You helped us to realize that Daniel is standing in his lot at this very time. The prophecies that you've given to us are now being fulfilled at a very rapid pace. And Lord, even in this time that we are so free with our time, we realize that we need to give you even more. Lord, forgive us where we have looked at the world and and desired all its treasures and the the, the tinkling of the gold and, and all those things that just divert our mind away from things that are important. Lord, we want to recommit our life to you today. Help us to stand with Daniel in his lot at this time. Help us, O Lord, to have an experience that we do not now possess, but that you are more than willing to give to your children today. Help us, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would make us like Jesus today. For this is our earnest plea and prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.